0: is Kane Wallstrom and today we have a guest on the Beyond the Field podcast, Hannah Wilkinson who is a professional soccer player and plays for the New Zealand Football Ferns. Hannah, thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Before we get into it, um, I'm just going to do some quick fire questions. So, first of all, what's uh, the Netflix show you're watching at the moment?
1: Not really any shows, just a lot of movies that I've already seen.
0: Okay, so you're not into anything? Have you got a certain genre that you watch on Netflix?
1: Um, there was a lot of really good ones, but you know when you find a good one and you watch it in about two days? <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: You just binge watch, eh? Basically what happened? <laughs> okay. okay. Um, now, I believe you might uh, think you're a singer or we'll get into singing a bit. So if, uh, <laughs> if, you're, uh, if it was a karaoke song you were going to do, what would it be?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. Um... Let me think. Probably something by Sam Smith. Nice. Yeah.
0: Okay. Most likely. Yeah. What is the most app used on your phone? Instagram. Nice. Favorite sportsman or sportswoman of all time for you? Mm.
1: For some reason, Doug Howlett has entered my mind because I remember watching him uh yeah i remember being just watching you know the all blacks games with my parents and he always impressed me so much with his like speed yeah. down the down the wing and so for some reason you managed to get that out of my head wow
0: okay <laughs> and lastly if you were a pair of shoes what brain would you be
1: uh nike i think i <laughs> have to say that
0: <laughs> are you sponsored in rock nike boots there yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. Okay, so um for all listeners out there, we're gonna start in your early years. So I suppose um a bit about you and your childhood, where you grew up and your family.
1: So I'm from Whangarei, New yep. Zealand. Um
0: Mighty North, Tony Fars.
1: Mighty North, that's right. Um uh, my my father, he was um, you know, he was actually born in Fiji. Um mm. Yeah, he's the first kind of five or uh, 12 years of his life living in Fiji. Right. Um, but his grand, my grandparents, his parents were English.
2: Okay. Um, what,
0: so what's so f- what Fiji?
1: Well, I think um, my grandparents, they taught at schools, I believe. I hope I'm getting this right. I know that my grandmother taught English and art at, in right. Fiji. Okay. And so they uh, raised their kids there. Um and then that's then my dad relocated to New Zealand and met my mum and my mum's from the South Island.
0: Cool. So you yeah. grew up up north, you got siblings?
1: Oh yeah. Um <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, I got two brothers. My uh, I've got an older brother and a younger brother. And my older brother he works in Australia in yep. Melbourne. Yeah. Uh for uh an advertising company and my little brother works as a um a uh, finance manager for main
0: oh cool and uh, how often does the family all get to connect because you're obviously on the other side of the world and they're all dispersed everywhere so how often do you guys get to connect and, and come together
1: well it's funny um usually we just have like a, a family sort of group chat like snapchat
2: yeah.
1: um, that we kind of all connect on um and then obviously i'm just calling my parents or whoever on um whatsapp as much as I can but lately especially um, during the lockdown period when I was in New Zealand we started doing this traditional family game night over zoom (laughs) and it was actually so much fun and it would be one of our responsibilities to come up with like a family like a quiz with questions on like family and it could it could be like uh general knowledge random random questions like questions about anyone (laughs) in the family and it was it was honestly such a good idea and i think we're going to keep trying to continue that tradition
0: love it imagine going back you know a few decades ago where technology wasn't around and if you're a professional athlete like yourself on the other side of the world it's um it was a lot harder to connect but tech these days Mm. like we're on zoom right now you know you just couldn't do this five years ago ten years ago
1: yeah, it's wild. It's it's amazing. And I'm so grateful for it because I've had to rely on it uh, for so long because I've been based overseas um, for most of my football career. So. Wow.
0: Okay, yeah. so um, schooling. So did you go to school in Fungere? Uh
1: Yeah, I went to Karma High School. Yep. Um, and then I moved to Auckland where I started studying um, psychology at the U, at, uh, AUT.
0: Cool. Um, were you, so were you just flatting in Auckland, or were you in the um student accommodation?
1: I actually was at the Akaranga Village, so I was oh. a student accommodator Yeah, yep. um, I lived with some of my high school friends for a little bit, um, and then made a ton of awesome friends down there, and I I loved I loved living there. It was so fun.
0: So, um, as a young as a young girl coming down to Auckland, did you was it daunting for you coming from Whangarei Or uh, obviously, it's not too far away, but.
1: Um, well, it was a little bit to, to be relocating there for sure, but I, I obviously had been down there so often for for football and trying to get exposed to uh, you know, the New Zealand level coaches at the time or earlier on. And so I was just kind of used to the to the ropes down there and um moving down there was the the way to get uh really exposed to those coaches and that's how I yeah. kind of came around.
2: Yeah.
0: Um and interest or hobbies what, what sort of just outside of uh, before we go into your career um interest or hobbies that you have outside of this what's some of the stuff you do
1: uh so i i do a lot of music um i have a couple songs on spotify that was the project that i really um put put a lot of energy work into kind of outside of football
0: what are they called so listeners can jump on
1: uh, there's one called Set Me Free, and there's um, another one called uh, Waiting for the Sun. Cool. And yeah, so those really turned out like amazing. And I got a lot more listeners than I anticipated because it was, you know, it wasn't for I I didn't want to get people to listen to it. It was more, I just wanted um, one of my songs, one of my original stuff, kind to be out there. On, yeah. You know, so I could say, hey, listen to the song. So, but, um, yeah, that's something that I really enjoy doing. It helps me escape from pressure of international and professional yeah. football
0: and music so really enjoy. A, music's a big outlet for people, right? And it's a big game um, relief and um mm. myself if I go to the gym chuck on music and you can kind of just I don't know, cruise off and go into your own world for a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So it just it's very, very therapeutic and uh, cathartic in a, lot of ways, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I'm glad that I have that. I bring my guitar everywhere I go. So. Cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, being a professional athlete, superstitions. You got any?
1: Um, I've been thinking about that because I feel like I had a lot when I was younger. Yeah. <clears throat> I got. I'm particularly um. Obsessed with like the number 17, (laughs) and that's my number for New Zealand.
0: Yeah, I was gonna Um, gonna say, is that the number of goals you'll scored in a game or something?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, soon, (laughs) that will happen (laughs) soon. Um, No, it was uh, so, it just kind of kept coming up that number because I I made the kind of national scene when I was 17, and I got ended up with the number 17. Yeah, jersey and then 2017 was my first year of professional football and then even in that team without you know my influence got the number 17 and so every time there's a 7 or 17 somewhere I'll stare at it for a long time thinking that it's a good <laughs> sign or something it's kind of strange but oh,
0: just, cool okay
1: yeah okay yeah.
0: so the number 17 is key to you so tell me then moving on from that Soccer. How did you find soccer, or how did soccer find you? How old were you?
1: <clears throat> so uh, I was eight when I started playing, and my yeah. brothers were also playing. It was just like a, a sport that we did a lot of sports growing up, um, and so we all just kind of started playing. My dad started coaching when I really committed to it because I fell in love with it
2: yeah. pretty quickly,
1: um, and. It was me and my little brother that ended up, you know, continuing to play. And he still plays a little bit now. My older brother kind of gave up on it. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, it's, been, it's stuck ever since.
0: Okay, so do you play just in the club up north in Bungadu there? And then um, from there when you moved to Auckland, did you play for an Auckland club originally?
1: Yeah, so I started out playing for Carmo Swifts yep. AFC cool. and then joined like a regional team known as North Force. I actually played with boys for until I was around like fifteen or something. Right. I was in boys' teams, yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Um there was no there was <clears throat> excuse me, there was no girls' teams really. Yep. Like it was they called it like mixed. But I was the only girl. <laughs> you're
0: probably you probably picking um, all the boys' asses, there.
2: Exactly.
1: One of the only girls. There were some um, every now and again. but And then, yeah, I ended up playing for North Force, which was – and I think it's called Northern Football now. Um, and that was more regional stuff. And then it just started to keep – you know, I kept getting closer and closer to the top national level until I made it when I was about 17, 18.
0: And was it at that point, you know, and what, 15 or 16, you thought, right, I could actually go right to the top here? Or did you know at a real young age?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was more when I kept playing, um, yeah, closer to around like 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Hours. I had a real goal to, that I wanted to play for New Zealand. I wanted to represent my country.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then there was an under 17 Women's World Cup in New Zealand. And I think I was trialing for it like a couple of times
2: yeah.
1: um, to try and make that squad. But I didn't make the squad. And I remember feeling like I—I I was so—I was really upset, but um, I was still absolutely determined to make, yeah. you know,
0: national. Well, fa- failure so. creates success, right? It, uh, exactly, creates a man, that you've got to burn to get there. That's right. Yeah. So tell me, when did you say in 2017 you became professional? Did you in soccer? Yes, correct. Okay, so up until that, you were studying and playing at club level, and obviously not being paid, or at amateur or not being paid. Did you, were you working as well, having to support yourself?
1: So I um, actually went to college in the states. Yep. Um, so which you went meant to that I
0: was Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. How did, so how did that come back? Did you get a scholarship to go over there?
1: Yeah. So I was in in university in New Zealand, um, but then I was like i want to go and play in college, like in yeah. the States, because the programs there are amazing, and you can study
2: yeah
1: um, so I looked into a bunch of different colleges and found one uh, down in the deep south yeah and um it was easily like the best experience, one of the best experiences of my life it was had an amazing coach um, i got um, i was very I, I came out of there quite qualified because. I got my undergrad and I also got a an extra kind of qualification postgraduate because I had injured myself there, yeah. which meant that I had a longer period to study and it was all on scholarship. Okay. So, so It was so amazing.
0: Tell us a bit more about the experience because, you know, what we see here on docos or on TVs around um, college and college sport is just next level, right? It's like, our professional side where we're at now. So what was the culture like over there and the people at the college?
1: Oh, it was awesome. Uh, I loved it so much. I made some of the best friendships um, that I could, you know, I I still talk to them today. Yeah. Um, And they're just completely crazy about sport. Yeah. And and that kind of atmosphere when you get around it is just so awesome to be uh, a sports like a um a soccer player i i go back and forth between football and soccer and i talk yeah about yeah it yeah <laughs> um because it's yeah, be, uh
0: gridiron or NFL over
1: exactly there. yeah so you can't use the term football over there yeah um but being an athlete uh in that kind of area like a college like the university of tennessee with that much support and and investment is just amazing it's everything you could ask for we uh had it as such a big fan base and yeah. all the supports you could think of and um did you tra- travel level.
0: travel around america playing all the other colleges in that?
1: yeah absolutely yeah. so um the ncaa which yep. is like the competition is kind of put into different I don't, I don't, maybe I don't have to explain this to you like different conferences based on kind of location. Yep. So we were in the Southeastern Conference, which meant we traveled around the Southeast. We played at Florida, Texas, AM, um, Louisiana, like all of this. So I got to see a little bit of the South. And wow. it, was, it was so cool.
0: Yeah. And college sport over there, it's not paid, is it? So you're not paid to play, but is it that? Is, is it studies paid for or something what, what's the go there
1: so each college kind of varies in how much they kind of cover, but a full athletic scholarship is usually your whole study is covered
2: wow. Wow. Um,
1: which is an outrageous amount yeah um, for the u s uh, wow. education and so to to get that was just insane everything was covered i also you know I think I was on a pretty really good one, so I never really felt that I needed to work outside of it or anything. So it was just the best decision I ever made was to go to college in the States. If I could say that to any up um, and coming women's football player.
0: yeah. And were you living on campus
2: as well?
1: I lived on campus for a little bit, mm. um, but then I was able to move off campus and live with other teammates, like in nicer places.
0: Yeah is it just like the movies, like the frat parties and stuff that goes on? Yeah.
1: It actually is. Like <laughs> I right. it I, I, t- I yeah. always tell, you know, that's the first thing I would always say as well, is like, I feel like I'm in a movie. Right
2: yeah. Now. The yeah. red
1: cups and like fraternities, sororities, um all of that is very real. Yeah. 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 It's it's
0: amazing. So okay, so how long so you're at obviously Tennessee over there in the college there. How long are you there for?
1: So I was there for five years. I, I went wow. there in 2012 and then I graduated 2016. So I was there for a while because uh, I injured myself and I did arrive a little bit later. Okay. I arrived as a sophomore, so
2: yeah.
1: I was a little bit older, um, yeah. but I have absolutely no regrets. I loved everything about that.
0: And what was okay. the injury you picked up over there?
1: So I tore my ACL.
0: Oof,
1: right. um, yeah. And I was, I got surgery over there. Yep. And I rehabbed over there as well. So my left leg, I always called my, I told my right ACL as well, but that was in Sweden. And okay. so I called my left leg, my American leg, my right leg, my Swedish leg because they were is, <laughs> operated on in those countries.
0: Is it true with um, what they say about RICO's? It takes a good 12 months for you to actually feel like it's, you know, your leg again when you're running around? Yeah. It's a battle. It's Definitely. a mental battle that, eh? Massive. Mm.
1: Uh, the second one felt easier okay. because of how much I learned in the first one.
0: Right. Yeah. Tell me, mentally doing it again, like knowing what you did the second time around and having to go through that fight and that rehab, did you think, holy, here we go?
1: Oh, that was the worst moment of the whole yeah. thing was knowing because oh. it was like it happened and Oh, just the whole, all of that whole, like journey comes flooding back. And yeah. so you're just like, I have to do this again. Yeah. And, but you know, second time around, I did a hell of a better job. Yeah. I feel a lot fitter and healthier. Um, and I know, you know, how to look after myself and Yeah. sometimes you just have to learn the hard way. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and sometimes injuries just happen for a reason, right? Freak things. Exactly. So, yeah um okay so you you finish up study there, and is it you go to a your first Swedish club is that right mm-hmm. yep. Yep. So, how, so how did I, that come about
1: I managed to get it through an agent that um had worked with a lot of New Zealand football players to get yep. them overseas professionally because the big um emphasis was for us New Zealand national team players to be playing professionally as much yep. as possible. Yeah. Um, and so I found a team that was interested in Sweden.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's the name of the club is Vettra.
0: I didn't even want to try it out. Pronounce, pronounce no, that. it's <laughs>
1: tough. It's a tough one. Yeah. So that was my first professional club experience.
0: Cool. And how long are you mm. there for?
1: I was there for two years before I tore my ACL that I was talking
0: right. about. Okay. And, then- and that's that's a full-time professional comp there? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah.
0: And what yeah, was it like so- for you? I know you were at the college, which probably was like it was full-time professional, but what was it like being paid and being part of a full-time environment um, and a competition level?
1: So immediately I, what I found was, the pressure was instantly higher because yeah. you're paid to do a job and if you don't do it like you're, you they can just remove you
2: and you're expected so to win right
1: you're expected to win and yeah. this league as well is the bottom two leagues and um, the sorry the bottom two teams of the league get relegated Ooh. and every team is it is such a tight league because yeah the quality of the players in this league is just outrageous. So it's yeah. every game, is, every week is a real challenge.
2: Yeah.
0: So you're there for a couple of years and then you go into a Portugal club. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I came back from ACL uh, in 2019, made the World Cup in France, yeah. New Zealand. And then I went to Sporting in Portugal.
0: <laughs> right. And again, yeah. just a, a club obviously saw your talent, picked you up um how did you find that experience
1: that was a that was a pretty interesting experience it was awesome it was yep. a lot it was not at all what i was very used to after having been uh in like sweden and i mean i was quite americanized so i was already coming out of that culture and then to go to sweden and to get cultured again in that sense yeah um both you know sweden is a very english speaking country like everyone kind of speaks english yeah to go to Portugal was a real challenge for me because there was just that language barrier was just real hard for me. Yeah, um, yeah, tough language as well. <laughs>
0: and were you were you expected to learn their language and be part of that culture, like in your team?
1: Um, I wouldn't say really expect. Well, there was a, a degree of expectation there. Mm. Like they would be like, just well, you know, what do these football terms mean? Which I Totally understand. Like we're arriving here, we need to understand. Um, yeah, you know what what people are talking about on the field, and I did learn all of that. Um, but to speak it fluently, like uh, usually, if the club team wants you to do that, they kind of offer classes for you yep. to attend. Um,
0: and so no, okay. but it was awesome experience. And you're at that club for a year, just a year, is that right? And then back to mm. Sweden, where you are at the moment.
1: Right. So. My contract actually got kind of cut short from the pandemic. Yep. Um, it was actually supposed to be, yeah, everything was kind of, the world was crumbling down like around when I was in Portugal and I actually had only had about three months left on my contract and I requested to leave and go home yeah. and terminate my contract early because I yeah. was petrified I was going to get stuck.
2: Yeah. Uh, and
1: so I came back to New Zealand and right. hung out there.
0: <laughs> and then and then from here, picked up the contract to go to Sweden? Exactly. All right, okay. <laughs> A colleague of ours, said, he was actually uh, flying back from Ireland um, and he was flying back from Ireland as literally, he used the term, the world was closing down through the airports," <laughs> And he said it was <laughs> the most airy, unreal feeling yeah. That he's ever, ever been a part of.
1: It's stressful traveling. Yeah. Everyone was just crazy.
0: Especially when it's you're on a... the other side of the world and New Zealand is so far away with connecting flights. Oh, it's just not a direct flight, right?
1: That was easily one of the most stressful trips home. I almost missed one of my flights. We were running through the airport. I remember being with this group of terrified Kiwis all trying to get home. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and it kind of brings out the dark side of people because Mm. you could just see the panic i saw someone screaming at another person for not standing for standing too close yeah and people it was just like a free-for-all all all through the
0: airport it's bizarre what has what's occurred through this pandemic and then what's occurred through like professional sport and the world obviously how it shut down but how new zealand was pretty much able to get the first I suppose sporting tournament going with the, the Super mm-hmm. Rugby and then Australia obviously got their rugby league going. Um, and I think the AFL and now I think as of today the NBA kicked off. Yeah. Over mm-hmm. there. And then also before that was the EPL. The EPL started playing, didn't they? Or was it the Japanese soccer?
1: I don't know.
0: I was one of them, I wish I, I could tell you. <laughs> um, so just quickly on that, obviously your experiences with um, Sweden and Portugal that just the things that you've picked up along the way for for you and learnings and that what what ha, have you sort of looked back on these experiences as of today and thought wow this has been cool I've picked up this or I can change this because of these cultures and what I'm doing have you learned stuff like that
1: yeah absolutely I, I've um the stark difference in culture there I think it, it's really powerful to have been somewhere for a long time and then to go somewhere of the complete opposite and just have those two perspectives and those two experiences because I did learn so much out of both of them. Um, Going to Portugal really, really did improve my technical ability because I've never really been a technical player. But that league, all that that team would do is just play and play and keep the ball and keep the ball and play. And it was such a challenge for me because it was not my area of expertise really, but okay. it pushed me to get better in those aspects. Yeah. And so now I feel like I've come out of that um, with just a better player in general.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're exposed yeah. to obviously all players across the world. They have the different nationalities in these comps. Uh,
1: Do you mean in Sweden and yeah. Portugal?
0: Yeah. Sweden and Yeah.
1: yeah so internationals – they're kind of all over the place in uh, these professional leagues. So in Portugal, I actually was with, there was Serbian uh, international, there was German, American, um, Brazilian in there. Um, And then here in in my current team in Stockholm here, we have Icelandics, we have Norwegian, we've got Mm. Danish, we've got Dutch, like it's awesome. Cool. It really just,
0: is. Yeah, all different worlds. The worlds coming together, and you learn so much from others. Um, mm. Are you? Is your team capped around the number of internationals you can have in there?
1: Yes, uh, I think in the Swedish league, it's half. It's about half the team you can have about half. Okay. Internationals and internationals are. I don't really know this rule. I think um, there's Europeans and then there's internationals. Okay. Oh, uh, we have Americans on our team as well. Yeah. Um, and so they like, so Americans and like someone like myself outside of the EU. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: there, we end up being kind of more expensive to have kind of more of a pain in the ass to get over.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, you know, if you're part of the EU, you know, European, like it's kind of easier to, to get like visa
2: stuff and, and all yeah. Of that so,
0: yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your junior and, I suppose, senior um, international debuts <laughs>
1: Sure.
0: and World Cup. So your, did you say you um, played for New Zealand under-17s?
1: Is that correct? Uh, no, I missed right. out on that. Okay, I so you, played for the under-20s.
0: Under-20s. Mm-hmm. And so that was your first international debut at obviously any level.
1: Yeah, so, yep. That's, uh, when was that? We played, it was an Oceania World Cup qualification tournament. Cool. So that was my,
0: yeah. And where was that?
1: That was actually in Auckland.
0: Okay. Um, was, it, was the tournament around, like, was it Albany and stuff?
1: It was, a, it was at Albany, like right next to the stadium.
0: Yeah. The North yeah. Harbour Stadium. Yeah. And so you got your first taste of obviously international and you're playing against girls that you now, I'm guessing, may be playing alongside or against a lot?
1: Um. Yeah. So sometimes we, I come up against, them like for example, Ellie Riley plays for Rosengard now, which is a, another Swedish team here. Yeah. And so we'll, I'll be playing her at some point, which I think is it's always cool to come up against like your teammates because yeah. it's yeah. So
2: well, cool. you go that much harder. There's a bit.
0: That, there's a bit more niggle, isn't there? What's that? There's a bit more niggle when you come up against your teammates. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know we're competitive people, so yeah, yeah. it's friends b- maybe after the game, but b- yeah. before and during, it's like got to win.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so you're um obviously a senior debut then. So for um, the football fans. like were you um expecting the call up or were you shocked or so how did you find that?
1: Actually, so all of that went quite quickly. I was, um, I made the under twenty. National team, and then a couple of weeks later, I was playing for the senior women's team. John uh, Herdman at the time invited me in to train with the girls, um, and that's where I got my debut against Australia, actually in North Harbour Stadium in New Zealand.
0: Right. Yeah. So you, your family and friends were obviously there watching you with your debut. Yeah, that's yeah. It cool. was
1: really special. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so, how many caps have you had so far?
1: Oh, I think I'm on like ninety something.
0: Wow! So you're mm-hmm. gonna get that handy? You're gonna raise the bet?
1: Yeah, coming close actually. Yeah. yeah, I think it is quite close. It might be like ninety seven, ninety eight or something. I'm I'm not far off.
0: Okay. So how does it work? Is there a, for for women's soccer is there a window for internationals? Or obviously, because you're offshore and playing in different comms. How does it work for you to be able to or be allocated to play in their timeframes that the football fans are going to be playing?
1: Yeah. So what? they're actually called FIFA windows. Right. And so it's kind of an allocated space of time each year where, um, you know, most players play professionally all over the world. Yeah. Um, And then those national team representatives um, go and play and represent their national teams during these FIFA windows. So club coaches know when a FIFA window is because there's no games usually. So the national team members can go and join um, their
0: teams. Yeah. It might be a bit harder this year to play any international soccer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look like we'll be having anything anytime soon, but yeah. I f- imagine that is the case for most teams. Although Europe might jump onto something yeah. faster. I know Sweden might as well because that's been like the only functioning league this entire <laughs> pandemic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um now we are hosting, as it, it's the 2023 World Cup, isn't it, with Australia here? Mm-hmm. What is that to you, and what does that mean?
1: Oh, that was just, hearing, hearing that was, like, unbelievable. I'm just stoked. Like, we, I could not wipe the smile off my face. It was uh, right before I was leaving for Sweden, too, so yeah. there was a lot going on, but... All I could think about was the fact that there's going to be a World Cup in, in New Zealand. Like, I don't think you can get any better than that.
0: That's awesome, all. eh? That's yeah. awesome. Like, you get the best players in the world and your back back doorstep in Australia. You get to compete against them all, but you get to do it in front of your family and your friends. I
2: know.
1: How good, eh? How it's good like, is that? And so, I remember
0: the, um, the 2011 uh, Rugby World Cup here in your backyard and, like, it was just unreal.
1: I know.
0: So, this is just... Oh. Um, so you'll be you would have brought up obviously by then you're over your 100 caps hopefully you hit that world cup <laughs> mark yeah that'd have, be nice has there any has there been other centurions before you
1: oh yes we've had we've had a lot we've, wow. we're a very experienced team
0: okay um, <clears throat> so you've got people in your team some of the girls in your team currently that will be over 100 caps
1: oh for sure we've got uh Abby ursig i think is the most capped who's currently wow. still with us. Um, we've got Rhea Percival. I think maybe she's the most capped. I don't know mm-hmm. who the most capped is, but we've got a lot of people really so up there.
0: You're going to have some so. good experience then going into um, your next few years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and hoping, hoping the um, Olympics is, is going to be um, yeah.
0: next year. So that's meant to be next year. Has there been sort of Mm -hmm. any word on what's going on there? Because that's the big unknown, right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, so we kind of like prepare for major events with a lot of tours and stuff leading up. And this pandemic has just really halted that. And we're just kind of in this position where like, oh, we're not going to be playing together for a while. But hopefully that's the case for most teams. And so we're kind of all at that same disadvantage. And so I guess... The Olympics is like a kind of a—it's um, a major tournament, and obviously we want to perform and, and win. And it's also a great stepping stone into that World Cup, like to yes. really like help us get to where we want to be, especially yeah. for a home-based World Cup.
0: So it's funny as we're talking. I personally completely just forgot about the Olympics and um, that's kind of the mindset, the Olympic, because they I've been shifted. It's such a big event. Like most people around the world love tuning into any of the sports, but with what the pandemic's done, you've actually forgot about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, because the whole um, marketing around it was 2020, you know, like yeah. Tokyo 2020. And now, I mean, that brand team has to come up with something else now like that whole has the whole thing's got to change and we don't even know if it'll go ahead like there's just a lot of questions around it so
2: i mean it's
1: just one of those uncontrollable
0: things are you being sort of kept you guys being kept into the loop around um updates and feedback on the olympics because it's got to fit (laughs) around how you guys build up to the tournament as well i'm presume
1: yeah so we do get um updates from NZOC a lot and so they're just kind of keeping us in the in the loop um you know whether they've heard anything or not and as an athlete regardless of outcome you just have to focus on your job and um basically like prepare as if it's going to happen right yeah because it might
2: so
0: what's the thing they always say you gotta stay or stay in the process Trust the process yeah. and, and um, surrender the outcome. Exactly. Yep. Um, so you personally, what's your day-to-day schedule look like at the moment?
1: So I am actually studying at the moment. Um, I'm studying my master's in psychology through Harvard University, uh, wow. like online. <laughs> um, and that's been real busy. Yeah, uh, just because it's summer school, so it's like a semester, like two courses, but squeezed into about seven weeks.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, so that's been a bit stressful, and so I've got training usually like once a day. Um, we actually our game schedule has been condensed as well because they're trying to fit the whole year's schedule into this last like Probably. a few months. right? So we play about like kind of every four or five days, which is yep. wild. Um,
0: How are you finding just, your body coping uh, to that?
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. When I arrived, I was, nat- you know, the jet lag was just horrendous.
2: Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> As we all know, as Kiwis <laughs> traveling abroad. Um, and I was just very mindful that like our game schedule is just I haven't trained, you know, I trained with a, a Northland boys team twice a week
2: yeah.
1: before coming here. And before that, it was about a couple of months of nothing really just running and strength. Wow. So I hadn't really trained for a while or played. Um, and so coming into like going from that to such an intense schedule and such an intense training it was quite overwhelming. I had a, a few niggles, a few, t- you know, areas of tightness, but yeah. thankfully I came out of that period. So it's been a tough adaptation, but I know my body's like,
0: kind of yeah. Cool. Yeah. And from that, how are you, how do you personally stay ahead of your competitors or your competition? Are you, do you have access to, um, I suppose, advanced things like sports psychology, like, um, or, or how, or physically, how are you sort of staying ahead of your competitors?
1: so the club team that i'm at right now is um i feel like all, all of those things depending on what club team you kind of find yourself at it depends on their support systems yeah. so i've been at clubs like you know Vitua, for example was a club that didn't have that much access to those amazing facilities and and people really um but this club that I'm at in Stockholm right now is, is a very popular club. There's a men's team that we kind of work with as well. Like we're kind of on a equal page there for most things like support yeah. systems. So we have team doctors, we've got physios, we've got psychologists, we've got nutritionists. So it's like, it's a professional player's dream. And that's something that you kind of rarely come across in a women's team.
2: Yeah.
1: And so that's, that's where I'm like, this is, this is the life.
2: This is what I worked hard for. Yeah. You know. Yeah, cool.
0: Tell me, to date, I suppose, along your journey from Whangaday to where you are, what have been your biggest learnings? Or what do you take out of, of, of I suppose, yeah, being your biggest learnings?
1: Oh, I guess, um, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess it's like a big thing is just never kind of giving up. Because yeah. I had a lot of moments where I was like, "Why? Why am I living? Why am I leaving home, my beautiful home in New Zealand, living abroad? You know, buggering my knees." <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, no,
0: you're going to get arthritis when you're older.
1: <laughs> probably yes. <laughs> it's okay. I've come to terms with it. Um. Uh, but yeah, I just had these moments all the time, like especially when things got tough. you know with pressure and and playing and injuries and I always question why the hell am I doing this and you always go back to like I just imagine myself playing as a little girl and how much I love the game and how how much it gave me and then I start thinking of all these opportunities that football gave me like my my education is paid for you know Um, I got a scholarship out of that you know I'm studying at one of the best universities in the world now because of my football but my football got me there so i always try and understand that and then um it always brings me back to things are going to get really difficult but you should just never ever give up
2: yeah at
0: the moment i always hear the moment you lose the passion for why you started it is the moment (laughs) it's time to walk away and if you're doing it for a grind or for for a dollar figure at the end of the day you're never going to succeed right that's exactly right Yeah. yeah it's interesting Anything you'd do different?
1: Um, I don't know. That's a hard one too. I would have liked to have um, not got injured so much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I feel
1: like because I got injured, I know what I know now because I got injured. Yeah. You know, and I'm in the, I feel like I'm in the best shape possible now because I know it's almost like I just know exactly how my body works Yeah, to the point where I know what makes it strong and protected.
0: Do you feel like the injuries have created your mental strength as well?
1: Definitely. Mm. That was, those were some seriously like the most difficult periods of my football career by far, like. And anyone who's had an ACL knows exactly what I'm talking about or any yeah. major injury.
0: So that athletes we've spoken to or people I know when they get injured and you know, it's on the line, definitely takes you to a dark, dark place. Um mm-hmm. and you gotta dig deep to get out. Yeah. So it's a
1: very patient process. It's a very tedious process. It's very yeah. isolating.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. Any influential role models that you've had along the way? through just it could be life or, or through soccer as well but yeah any influential role models you've got
1: i think um someone that kind of stands out to me is megan Rapino of the the u.s national team i've met her a couple of times as well yep. in person and i just think she's a really really an authentic and genuine person and she's yep. a hell of a player yeah and a leader and everything she's kind of stands for. I align with quite a lot. In fact, she actually tore her ACL three, three times, twice wow. or three times or something. And so she had written an article about, or she had had an interview about how she came back from those. And that was a huge inspiration for me to come yeah. back. Um, I think that what she's doing on and off the field is just sensational. Like she's a real, she's the goat to, to me. <laughs>
0: Have you been able to connect with her?
1: Uh, yeah. So I, the last kind of um, time I had a um, conversation with her was uh, it was like a Nike event in Paris.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah I was there, there and I had a little bit of a catch up with her, like a brief one. And, you know, yeah, she's just a really cool person. And I hope that I do like kind of meet her a little bit more so. Yeah. Um, because she's everything that she stands for is is everything that I believe in, and she's 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 awesome.
0: Cool. So El- <laughs> outside of soccer, um, you're an ambassador for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Uh, so out for the win is a non profit organization based. I think it's in Belgium. Yep. I believe, but hopefully that's correct. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Belgium. Um, and it's kind of a. I'm also Part of Athlete Ally, which is another nonprofit that's founded that's in the in the US, sure. and these kind of organizations are just kind of um, advocating for our individuals in sport and um, promoting kind of equality, and we're trying to reduce homophobia in sport all across yeah. the board.
0: Fantastic and have you been you've um, had to do a bit of work for that like uh, with them alongside them or what sort of what does an ambassador role do for that?
1: So for Out for the Win I just kind of um, they send me some kind of gears and I put kind of chuck it on take a photo and just keep that kind of awareness up and and promote their non-profit organisation by like showing you know they have uh, you know um, memorabilia Yep. Well, no, that's not the right word, but yeah, stuff that you can buy and stuff to to help um, uh, support their their business and what they do and their and spread awareness about yep. their message. Yeah. Um, and so I try and help with that as much as possible. And athlete Ally, kind of, we, I do the same. Um, athlete Ally are more kind of, I get emails from them saying, you know, here's a, a letter that we're all signing. Do you want your signature to be on here to promote this message and there 's a lot of um, transphobia in sport as well at the moment, <clears throat> and so the support is really needed there and so um, I kind of use my social media outlets to help um, push support for that
2: yeah
0: it 's funny yeah. because the world we live in is so diverse and so multicultural mm. and just but i don 't understand personally why people still worry or hold on to these things and make it a big deal i, I don 't get because the world we live in is should be an accepting place. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's a, um, yeah, it's a, it's a world where it's, it is, we, we are kind of socially structured to provide more advantages to those who are white and those who are straight and those who are, you know, there's, there's the majority and there's the minority and, we're starting to see more of this and people are becoming more educated and you know, understanding more as you look at the Black Lives Matter movements. Um and so in that sense it's really changing and people are actually really calling it out and it's kind of we're we're being awoken at the moment, I think it's yeah. a good thing. Um so the important thing is just to to keep your ears open and listen to those who know what they're talking about and and know, you know, really know the experiences. Of minorities um, themselves and and just, um, yeah, just listen and learn and um, find out how you can be helpful and um, just more aware.
0: Big part of life is education, right? And making your own mind up. And I think the generations coming through now um, have access to that and are open to that and aware of that. It's probably the the latter generations that have gone by Mm -hmm. still probably hold that stigma.
1: Mm, for sure you can definitely see a generational difference with that yeah um oh it's it's a stark difference for sure and education is the forefront of it yeah
0: yeah i agree um so life after soccer it has to come to an end at some point and hopefully it's um well beyond you winning the 2023 world cup yes uh, but yeah what does you're obviously studying psychology at the moment but what sort of life post-soccer, what's your next career? What are you thinking? What does that look like to you?
1: So, yeah, I like to think about kind of entering a field of psychology. I feel like I have a lot of um, having the experience and then getting to tie in just so much theory with that. There's a lot of power in that. I feel like I just, I can become an expert in it from sports psychology to well, mostly sports psychology, I think, and especially psychology of injury, um, you know, issues like identity and, yeah. and sexual orientation, gender, yeah. all of those areas really fascinate me because I'm, I've had such strong experiences with them. And I've learned so many theories that surround them and it helps me create a, a very clear understanding of everything. So I feel like psychology in those kind of circles would be something that would be pretty awesome.
0: Well, you would be like number one in that space because of, um, I suppose, the different cultures you've been through, um, the injuries you've had, um, professional sport leave you've been playing at, and also to your generation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, it, that would be awesome. So, so cool.
0: And you could inspire a lot of people, you know, I think. So it's, it's fantastic. Lastly, Hannah, I want to ask you what legacy. Do you want to leave on this earth? Have you ever thought about that?
1: Yeah. Legacy. I guess um, it, that kind of goes back to my primary goal. The reason why I'm living here in Stockholm and not home in New Zealand is to play and be the best I can for my country and represent us on the world stage. As a footballer and as a representative, um, an athlete representing New Zealand, i still... We have just got so much potential as a team, and I want to be a part of that legacy. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, it's been my goal ever since I started playing, started kicking the ball. So I don't want to let my my little self down. Yeah, and uh, I want to achieve all of her goals.
0: Fantastic, Hannah. It's been a pleasure listening to your journey all the way from Whangarei over to America, Stockholm, and then hopefully back home um, hopefully, in 2023. Yeah. And we'll see you back on the yeah. playing fields around here. Hannah, is there any um, anywhere or any platforms that um, our listeners can follow you on to see your journey around what you're doing at the moment?
1: Yeah, so my Instagram, um, I have to actually look. I can never remember it for some reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My Instagram is uh, wilkins 17 but you know if you type in Hannah Wilkinson into Instagram, you should find it. Cool. Um, same with Twitter. Um, cool. Just type in my name into Twitter. You should be able to find it. Um, those are the two major outlets that I use. Cool. Uh, Instagram more, more so, but yeah. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Nah, it's been a pleasure. Um, to all the listeners, follow Hannah, see her progress, cross fingers, no more injuries, and see more goals going down. Eh?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Cool. Thank you very much for your time.
1: No worries. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on this episode and hundreds more, you can visit us at Beyond the Field Podcast on all social platforms.
0: Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Now it's your turn to take control and build your empire beyond your field.